Welcome to All Things Bama Podcast, powered by Bama Central. Your Sports Illustrated home for all Alabama Crimson Tide news and information. I'm your host, Tyler Martin, and I'm joined for this week's edition of uh, Know Your Foe, uh, you know, getting to know your opponent, um, The Grove Reports, Nate Gabler. Nate, how's it going, my man? Doing all right. How are you boys doing over there in Tuscaloosa? We're doing good. We're doing good, man. We're, you know, we're just still relishing in the fact that football is being played and we're getting it every single week. Um, and it's been a blast so far, right, man? The first couple weeks of the season, it's been a lot of fun. It's been exciting, but but we're in store for a really great matchup on Saturday, in my opinion. You know, and depending, it looks like right now that it is going to be played Saturday, and the potential of a, the time being moved back from five to maybe seven thirty, maybe eight. Um, right now to kind of avoid Hurricane Delta. Uh, but we, we, we've got Nick Saban, we've got Lane Kiffin, um, two, two you know, different personalities going at it. You know, Lane Kiffin being a former Saban assistant, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, first, let me ask you this. For Alabama fans who might not be following Ole Miss altogether, what has the first two games of the Lane Kiffin era been like for, for the Ole Miss Rebels? Uh, I mean, the first two games, if we we're just going to put it out very quickly, uh, offense looks Incredible, really fun to watch, especially the passing game. The defense is abominably bad. Week one against uh, Kyle Trask in Florida gave up 400 yards through the air. Week two at Kentucky give up 400 yards on the ground. So there's not really one area to pinpoint on the defense. It's just bad all around. And the passing offense led by, I mean, Matt Corral leads the nation in completion percentage, yards per attempt. He's second in efficiency. Him and Mac Jones are both up there in all those categories. But, yeah, I mean, Kiffin's got the passing game humming. Elijah Moore's averaging 10 receptions a game. He's on pace to break the school receptions record in a 10-game season, which is insane to even think about. But, yeah, I mean, the offense is super fun to watch. The defense sucks. And it just, it's just can the offense score enough to even keep Ole Miss competitive on Saturday? Yeah, you know, and two, you know, Elijah Moore's been a beast. He was a beast against Kentucky. Matt Corral, like you mentioned, uh, fantastic. And then, two, Jonathan Mingo is a guy who, who I went back and watched that Ole Miss-Kentucky game. I was really impressed with. I know he had a big touchdown against Alabama last year. Um, mm-hmm. But, two, I mean, you know, this is – Alabama's offense is potent, and Ole Miss is obviously – I mean, statistically, it's better than Alabama's, right, statistically. Um and, and to the defense, right, this is a series where it's been like Ole Miss over the last like four or five years. They've just given up so many points to Alabama, uh, you know, and, and Alabama's outscored them by a landslide um, over the last few years. But you you get the feeling that's like Alabama's kind of got some holes, you know, um, and, and kind of had some mis- mental is you know, mental mistakes on the defensive side of the ball against A&M. Maybe Ole Miss can exploit this. What's kind of, you know, your assessment of the preparations this week for for Alabama, especially, you know, maybe Ole Miss's defensive side of the ball, like DJ Durkin, you know, leading the defense. What's what's kind of been maybe the game plan to kind of stop Matt Jones and, and you know, Najee Harris and, you know, the trio of wide receivers Alabama has as well? Yeah, Saban made – or Kiffin made some sort of weird analogy the other day about, like, a tree growing as far as the defense goes. It's like there's experience here. There's There's some pieces. There's a combination of guys that have – played a lot of football with guys that they just brought in this year. And there's three true freshmen starting on the defensive side. So the, the struggle, like I mentioned is one week it's you're giving up a ton of yards through the air. The other week you're giving up a ton of yards through the ground. It's not really one area 
that you can pinpoint for this defense. They just got to get so much better in so many ways in a week. And it doesn't get easier when you have Saban and, and Mac Jones and these guys coming in. It's just, I, I don't honestly, like it sounds doom and gloom, but I have no idea how this team's going to get that much better on the defensive side of the ball in just one week. So, Nate, how do you, you know, the, with the weather being, you know, a factor, because apparently, you know, if it is played at five, then the first half is going to be real sloppy, real muddy, and the second half is lighten up. But if they, if they start it later on, you know, it, it appears it might not be as wet as we once thought, right? Um, so, you know, I'm curious, you know, who do you think, from your perspective, who do you think helps that more? Um, do you think that gives Ole Miss any advantage whatsoever? I think, at least to me, there's, it's going to be wet and sloppy no matter what. The bigger question is how windy is it going to be? Because Ole Miss's run game hasn't been that great. I mean, Jerry Ely, who's a guy that was a preseason all-SEC running backs, only averaging like 70 yards a game. And a lot of that's because the Ole Miss offensive line is doing so much better in pass protection than it is run blocking right now. There's not a lot of holes out there. But so, I mean, the, the winds and how much of those hurricane remnants are left over, I think is going to, impact both teams passing games a ton but I think if you're just asking who benefits from playing in weird sloppy conditions I mean Ole Miss needs a lot of what's the word just weird shit to happen to win this football game like they're going to need weird things to happen and there's nothing weirder really than playing in a tropical storm or a category one hurricane or whatever it'll be when it's coming through Oxford on Saturday evening so I guess just the randomness factor certainly favors Ole Miss, but I mean, I don't, I don't think it really helps or hurts either team a ton. It's going to hurt the passing games if it's super windy, but that's that's the only thing I can really think of. You mentioned you mentioned going on, and this is a series where I mentioned Alabama's dominated the last four or five years or so. But you go back to 2014, you go back to 2015. Ole Miss got back to back wins against Alabama under uh, Hugh Freeze. And weird stuff happened in those games, right? Like, and that's something yeah. I've seen Lane Kiffin really point to, you know, because he was offensive coordinator at the time, and he's like, mm-hmm. man, two of the three losses I had at Alabama, guess what? It came to Ole Miss. And so if there is anything weird to happen, it's kind of where, you know, this, this Ole Miss game for Alabama in the past, a lot of weird stuff's happened, right? Bo Wallace, you know, throwing a pass, it bounces off yeah. the guy's helmet, and it comes <laughs> up, like Laquan Treadwell's hand running yep. to the east zone, A.J. Brown, whoever. Um, but, too, I mean, like I said, Alabama's going to be – their secondary. I think this is going to be the biggest test for them um, this, so far this season. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing that matchup as well and what other weird stuff could happen because, like you said, a tropical storm is, is coming through. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned – I think that that matchup with the Alabama secondary and the Ole Miss receivers is interesting because, obviously, it's Elijah Moore who – is right up there with any of those, the Waddles and the guys that Alabama has, maybe like out of the slot, one of the best guys in the country. But then, yeah, I mean, Jonathan Mingo is a guy that was hyped up all through camp. He didn't really show up much against, against Florida in week one, but comes out and has a huge game uh, at Kentucky. And then there's, I mean, there's some other guys. Dontario Drummond is a guy that caught two touchdowns against, against Florida in week one, a tight end Kenny Yaboa, who's a transfer from Temple playing in his like first year of SEC football, I think is like third or fourth in the nation at, among tight end receiving yards. He's averaging like 27 yards of care, uh, catch or something. That's just silly for tight ends being a deep threat like that. But 
yeah, I think it'll be – it's definitely the biggest challenge that the Alabama secondary has to face so far this year. And you, you really look at it, I mean, maybe the exception of Mississippi State, their prolific passing attack or, or you know, and right now, I mean, I, I wouldn't say Georgia's passing attack is, is absolutely great, but, I mean, this, is, this could be, you know, the biggest test they have for a few weeks now, right? Um, but then also, too, I, 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 I'm curious, how does John Reese Plumley play into this? Because he's a guy last year who had a lot of success against Alabama. It's a guy Nick Saban mentioned. Um, you know, and he was, you know, he, and Saban really complimented him on his Wednesday press conference talking about he's not just a gadget guy. He's a guy who can, you know, line up in receiver, line up a quarterback, line up a running back. He can kind of do it all. I mean, he ran over Alabama for 100 yards last year. He had 140 passing yards and two touchdowns last year. And Ole Miss put up 31 points against Alabama last year. Like, this is kind of, that was kind of the game where everybody pointed to Pete Golding, the defensive coordinator, and was like, man, we, we, Alabama's got to fix some things. So how has John Reese Plumley fit into Lane Kiffin's scheme so far, and what do you expect him to do uh, moving forward, maybe against Alabama this week? I don't, I don't know really where it goes from here, but I know just from the first two weeks, Plumley hasn't really been a factor at all. I mean, you want to pull up the numbers on him. He's got 10, 10 carries for 26 yards on the season, so that's unimportant. He's attempted one pass that was completed for three yards. I mean, the dude's been a non-factor. He's been lined up at receiver. He's been lined up, like, as a dual. They've used them, like, in the backfield together. They've used him as a running back. They've done some wildcat stuff. But really, like, at least so far, he just hasn't been a factor. Are they saving him for Alabama? I don't know. I mean, why would you save him for Alabama in a game – that you need to go to overtime to beat Kentucky. You'd think that if you have some gadget, weird red zone formations that you're going to get points out of Plumlee with, you would have used them in a tie game that's going to overtime, wouldn't you? But I I don't know. Uh, I mean, he is an incredible athlete. He's capable of throwing the football. He's nowhere near as good at that at Matt Corral, which is why you haven't seen him in those situations this year. But I have no idea. No one knows. I mean, but right now, I mean, the only answer really is that he hasn't been that much of a factor or really important at all. Yeah, and it's like I went, I went back to and, and and I remember opening day for the SEC watching that Ole Miss Florida game, and, and one of the first things the drive like the first drive in that game, like there were super weird formations. They had Plumley out there, you know, Corral was doing a double pass to uh, Plumley, and you know, Plumley was, and I just I thought this is perfect Lane Kiffin, right? Like he's going to scheme up something. And I think, too, like, he's got a lot of things still left up his sleeve because he's such an offensive mastermind and a genius that, you know, Alabama – I mean, I, I just say this. I mean, the over-under, I think, is back up to, like, 71. It, it started at 80, but then it brought it down to, like, 69. It's, it's back up in the 70s now. I still think, you know, with the weather – the storm kind of weakening, I think – I mean, I think Ole Miss is, is going to put up some points. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, you mentioned uh, things up his sleeve. I mean, it's the first time – that Lane Kiffin's played Saban since he left in 2017. I mean, I'd be shocked if there wasn't one or two things that he's just kind of been holding on for two years. I mean, what what's more Lane Kiffin than that? Yeah, and then, too, you know, from from a perspective of this is a game for, for Alabama's side where it's like, man, where they can kind of establish the run, right? In Kentucky, they ran for over 400 yards again, yeah. against Ole Miss last week. And it's, it's really weird, right? Like, you run for 400 yards, and then you don't get the win. Um, it's, it's baffling to me. But, um, 
But no, like, so Najee Harris, you know, he hasn't broke a 100-yard game yet. He's at 98 against Missouri and 43 against A&M. This is too, a lot of people believe that this is a game where Alabama can start showing their dominance on the in the run and take advantage of an Ole Miss defense giving up like seven yards a carry. Um, do, you, do you see maybe Ole Miss, Ole Miss's defensive line, you know, coming up to play, I mean, showing up like DJ Durkin, uh, we mentioned, you know, trying to scheme up something, throw at Alabama's offensive line. Do you see, you know, Ole Miss just kind of, you know, being like a knife running through, like putting butter on a bread, just going all over him? What, what do you kind of see there? Man, buddy, I swear to you, Tyler, man, if, if Najee Harris doesn't get 100 yards this, this weekend, I, I don't know what to tell you. I'll, I'll buy you dinner on Sunday or something. I don't – it's, it's just going to happen. Like, Najee Harris is going to hit 100 yards. I think it's, as far as scheming things up, I actually like what Durkin and Chris Partridge are doing with the defense. I think it's, it's more of – it's a combination of, A, just actual executing the plays, which I know is, like, weird coach speak, but, like, you have new guys coming in with a completely different formula. It's very multiple. It's three down sometimes. It's four down sometimes. You, they're asking the same guy to play three, four technique on different plays. It's very different. It's very fluid. So it's a combination of actually executing that and – I mean, these guys don't have, like, their sort of guys yet. Like, I mean, I, I, I like to believe that next year with this recruiting class, the Ole Miss defense is at least going to be more competent. But I, right now, I mean, you're, you're asking them to make a lot of improvements in a seven-day span. And then kind of like looking at it from the, you know, from the 30,000-foot view, Nate, um, you know, this season right now, one and one, like maybe when Ole Miss fans got the new, new you know, improvised schedule when the SEC announced they're going to 10 games and, and they looked at, you know, um, Kentucky well, right? And they were like, man, maybe maybe they didn't mark Kentucky as a win, but they were able to go into Lexington and steal a victory. And maybe keeping it competitive is enough for Ole Miss fans this season. But moving forward, what do you think is, like, realistic for the Rebels this year? Do you think they can get to 500? Do you think they can get to 5-5? Five and five? What do you kind of, you know, see as a success for Lane Kiffin in year one? Yeah, I mean, Kentucky was always a weird linchpin game for me going into the season, and that sounds crazy because it's a week two game. But, I mean, if you just pull up the schedule, they're sitting at one and one now. We can just write Alabama as a loss. I'd still feel pretty confident that they beat Arkansas the week after. Then you go to Auburn, which I'm going to write as a loss too, so you're two and two, or you're probably one game under 500 after that. But then right before your bye, you get Vanderbilt. So I think there's a real good chance that this team not only is three and three, but should be three and three at 500 going into the last four weeks of the year. And granted, and then you come out and you get South Carolina right after the bye. They could easily be above 500 with three games to go. Yeah, and, and like, like you mentioned, I mean that would be a great win for Lane Kiffin right in his first season when nobody really expected you know, Ole Miss to be, you know, in the middle of the pack for the SEC West, right? Like, they were they were kind of lumped in there in the bottom three teams in, in the West, right? Uh, Arkansas, I mean, I expected Arkansas to go 0-10. I think in my predictions I had I had Ole Miss finishing above Mississippi State at, like, 4-6, and 3-7 and or something like that. Um, and so 5-5, five and five, I mean, that would just continue to prove that Lane Kiffin, you know, he's maturing as a coach, and the game has just kind of evolved with Lane, right? Like, um, Saban's been asked a lot this week about, you know, about the decision to hire him and the decision for Alabama, you know, a powerhouse to be like, all right, we're going to shift from a pro style to this West Coast spread. And, and I think that has a lot to do with Lane Kiffin, right? Like, he's the one who came in there and got it done with Blake Sims um, and then got it done with, uh, with Jake Coker in 2015 and then obviously Jalen Hurts in, in 2016. So... Um, and you got to you know, remember, it, it was also it was also Kiffin primarily that recruited Tua. I mean, Tua like they didn't overlap 
much as far as because Lane was going to FAU by that point, but he was two as primary recruiter too. So you can give him a small yeah. amount of credit for that one too. Yeah. And, and, and so this is why I'm just looking for, because like, here's the thing. Uh, Kiffin made a great comment on the teleconference on Wednesday. He's like, I wish they had the old offense, right? Like that, to get the uh, yeah, the ten- ten- when he was in Tennessee. Absolutely. I'm actually writing about that now with the, how they, the two of them kind of not really shifted SEC offensive philosophy, but definitely shifted Bama into the modern era, you know? I mean, I don't think Lane really wanted to take too much credit for that, but I think Saban even gave him some of it. Like when they were trying to hire Lane back in 14, it was, I mean, yeah, he had the the pro style passing game with, from his experience in the pros, but I mean, he was kind of evolving into that spread, that RPO game at the time. So, yeah. Yeah, and it's, like I said, that Tennessee team that Lane had was very talented. I think a lot of people don't understand how talented that team was, and it just shows that, hey, you know, if, if things go according to plan and you win the games, you should win here in Oxford in year one, and you, you're able to build a program and you're able to build a brand, really, right? Like, it's you're, you're building a brand, more importantly, and he's able to do that, then, then, then really the sky's the limit for what Lane can achieve in Oxford. Yeah, I mean, I think people were excited when they hired him, and the excitement was a weird combination of is this just exciting because we're going to sell tickets and maybe the bottle be much more full than it's been in the last four or five years? Or is this excitement from the means of actually returning Ole Miss to a program that can consistently win seven, eight, nine games and maybe once a decade compete for the SEC or compete for national championship. And I it's really hard to make that judgment off of two games, but I mean, you're looking at a coach that didn't have an off season. Essentially you don't have spring ball. You have this weird abbreviated camp. And in your first year with guys that you didn't recruit has already gone on the road and like upset a team and put up 36 36. points against the number three defense in the country in Florida. I mean, who knows what this week, will look like and likely it, it won't be very pretty for Ole Miss but I it it's definitely trending very positive for the early returns of Kiffin and Oxford last last question before we get you out of here Nate again I appreciate your time man uh, when I do on Fridays when we when we're previewing a game with another uh, team's reporters we like to go down the other SEC games in, in, in the slate and just kind yeah, of see how they go um, so first, man, let's go ahead and start. Let's just go ahead and start with in College Station, right? Florida traveling to A and M. That's going to be a really underrated game, and I wish it wasn't at eleven. I don't know why that that game's at eleven between two ranked teams. Um, but anyway, uh, what you you've seen Florida in person? Um, yes. I've seen Texas A and M. How do you think that game's going to pan out for 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 those two schools? So I've been pretty dismissive and low of Texas A and M kind of all year, and. Coming in, I just feel like they're one of those teams that every year is so overrated. I think they were 14th or 11th before the year. And I I did some research, and it was like before, since the turn of the century, this is a team that has been ranked in the top 15, I think it was 14 times to start the year in 20 years. And only twice had they actually finished higher than they were ranked as a preseason team. And I, uh, I just, I don't like the Kellen Mond, Jimbo Fisher combination. I loved it two years ago. I was really excited about it when it happened. Even going into year two, I was like, oh yeah, year two jump between these two. I haven't seen anything to make me actually that excited about it. And then you see that versus what I saw with Kyle Trask and Dan Mullen. I think there's a real chance that Dan Mullen finally wins 
a huge game. Maybe they beat Georgia this year. I, I know, obviously, being here in Mississippi and obviously Mullen with his reputation from state, and that was always his problem, was winning that big game. I, I love what that Florida team has this year. I mean, I know they're six-point favorites on the road, but I would still probably lay those points, I guess. Yeah, see, I, I'm, I'm the other way around right now. I'm, I I love what Florida's doing. I love what Dan Mullen's doing. I think they win the East. I'm still holding by that. I do, that too. I think they win the East. I think Kyle Pitts is the X factor, and Kyle Trask has is, is gotten way better. Um, but I think A&M is – I think they're finding their spark on offense. They, they found it in the Alabama game to some, to some extent. Um, and Kellen Mond, I mean, he, some of his guys had a couple drops that could have changed the game a little bit. That's fair. Um, so, so I, th- I think A&M covers, but I think Florida wins a close one. I think it's a lot of close, closer than people expect. But, but expect A&M to keep that close. And in Florida, man, it's, it looks like Alabama, Florida, Georgia, than everybody else in the SEC. Uh, moving on, the, arguably the biggest game in the conference, Nate, Tennessee traveling to Georgia. Tennessee, winners of eight in a row. Georgia looked super dominant against Auburn. Uh, and Georgia, I think, I think Georgia's a 12-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, you know, do you, do you think Georgia's just going to blow them away, or do you think Tennessee actually puts up a fight here? I mean, I, I feel like we probably have similar opinions to Georgia, pretty underwhelming in, in week one, and then they come out, and that defense is so good. I mean, they made – I mean, Bo Nix looked lost at times during that game last week. But I, I think Tennessee's got – oh, they've surprised me a lot, honestly. I mean, they've – obviously, their their wins are – against two of the worst teams in the conference with Missouri and South Carolina. So I think that's that's a big question is Georgia's proven they can beat one of the top teams in the conference and as good as South Carolina's looked, they've done it against just abominably bad teams. So this is a tough one, honestly. I I think I would take Georgia to cover the points just because that defense is so good. It really might be the best defense that that they've had there. Yeah, that defense is phenomenal. They're elite at every every level in it. They're every position, right? They've got NFL guys all over the field. You know, it really is. Kirby is really trying to turn it into like a mini Alabama of sorts. But Tennessee's gotten better, right? Like their offensive line oh, of is really good. Um, their defensive line is – they're in the trenches. Tennessee is like a – this is Jeremy Pruitt team, right? Like he builds them from the inside out. And if they could get good play from Jared Garantano, I think they, an upset could be brewing. Um, I'll take the road dog to cover – um, but I think Georgia, again, wins this one because Georgia, right, like Georgia's in a spot where they can't overlook Tennessee because they've got Alabama coming up next week. And Alabama, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, consequently is in the same position where they can't overlook Ole Miss with Georgia looming. Yeah. I, I mean, I've been pretty low on Guarantano for the last two years, but, I mean, you're right. I mean, he has – he's looked competent. He's looked better. And I think the big difference with him is he's not turning the ball over this year. He hasn't turned it over once in two games, so. Yeah, I mean, if, if he can continue to do that, if they can be clean on the offensive side and make Georgia earn it, I, I can see them cover as well. And then lastly, um, you, we, we, well, we mentioned the Alabama Ole Miss game, obviously, and you had, um, and you think Alabama wins. Do you? I, I think Alabama's, what, 24 and a half right now? I think it's the line. It's 24 last I saw. It's same thing, yeah, 24, okay. 24 and a half. I mean, four scores, it's a huge number. I think I'd take Ole Miss in a game that, ends up like 30 to 50 or something like that yeah no 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 no, not not Ole Miss to win Ole Miss to cover let me be very clear about that I'd say Ole Miss loses the game but like 30 to 50 final score which I guess has them covering no I would I I, I would lean Ole Miss to cover as well I do think you know I I do think Alabama um defensively I think some holes are going to show up but I think obviously uh, Alabama's offense is just too much for the Rebels to overcome, right? Like, Mac Jones is looking like a Heisman contender. And if Najee yeah. here, 
gets it going, then that takes the offense to a whole nother level than where it's already at. But yeah, Ole Miss, Ole Miss to, I mean, three touchdowns and a field goal. Um, I, I would like Ole Miss to cover there. Yeah, I mean, especially if, I mean, if we end up getting more of this weather than we're anticipating, if, if the weather is worse, then that's going to bring scoring down, which makes it even easier for Ole Miss to, to cover. So I, I think that's probably one of my favorite picks of the week, honestly, if we're just talking against the spread. And then, uh, then the nightcap game, the, uh, the one of the bigger ones in the SEC, um, kind of low-key games, I guess, Mississippi State-Kentucky. Does Mississippi State and Mike Leach right the ship, right the wrongs from Arkansas? Do they go on the road and, and beat Kentucky and Mike Stoops? I or think Mark so. Stoops, I, I mean, yeah. Can, yeah, Bob Stoops. <laughs> right? All, all, all the Stoops, right? Yeah, yeah. Mark, yeah who knows? Kentucky. Yeah. That yeah. weird Ohio coaching tree. But, yeah, no, I would take, uh, I would take State in this one. I mean, just – Watching Kentucky last week is, I mean, their their biggest flaw defensively was, like, I mean, Matt Corral looked like a god in that game. He barely had any, I think he had more touchdowns than incomplete passes, if I'm right. But, uh, and, that, and that's the problem. I mean, Arkansas, when they upset State last week, I mean, their defense, honestly, through two games, I mean, they, they held Georgia to, what was it, five points in, at the half, week one, and then they upset State, and I think they turned Costello over three times. But, I mean, Kentucky's pass defense is terrible. So, I mean, if you can – if you're a state team that can throw the ball everywhere, I, I got to take state in that one for the upset and the just outright. Yeah, it's weird, right? Kentucky's a two-point favorite, um, and, and it's weird. I mean, maybe that's the home field. Maybe that is the limited capacity. What I'm is not- home field now? Like, I, I've been – like, everyone I've talked to said home field is pretty much – like, if you're factoring that into the spreads, I mean, I certainly wouldn't. There's no – you can't hear anything from what I've heard everyone yeah. I've talked to. In the Missouri-LSU game, LSU was like a 22-point favorite, and then now the game's in Missouri, they're a 14-point favorite. So, I don't think home field is worth eight points nowadays. You know what I'm certainly saying? Certainly not. Yeah. So, but, no, in this game, I like, I like the pick, Nate. I like it a lot. Mississippi State, I think they go on the road. Um, you know, you, you don't need to keep – you don't need to take the two points. Take them outright. Uh, Mississippi yeah. State gets it done. Um, I think – because Mike Leach – Always pulls a Mike Leach, right? He loses games, he shouldn't. Wins games, he should. Yeah, um, yeah that's that's kind of what's going to happen. We think in the SEC this weekend. Again, Nate, where can people go find your work? Um, you know, like where can they go find your work if you know they're not affiliated with Ole Miss or they just want to know more about Lane Kiffin because he is a fun coach to cover. Where can everybody find um, your your stories? Yeah, we're at. I mean, Sports Illustrated is the Grove Report. It's just thegrovereport.com. We'll send you there. I mean. We we love we love doing this little crossover action. It'll be it'll be fun. Get you guys here in Oxford this weekend. I mean, hopefully you guys don't have too much travel issues with this storm, but be safe. <laughs> awesome. Well, for Nate Gabler, I'm Tyler Martin. This has been the All Things Bama Podcast.